Yo, what up, what up, what up? This is the Lazy Philosophers Podcast, and I'm back, you guys. I'm back doing the thing again. Uh, we here, man. After a long time of no <coughs> no posting, um, I am back. And uh, yeah, man, I, like, I would like to give you guys some updates. So I've been working on a TV show. Um, actually, I haven't posted in a long time. I've been working on a TV show with uh, Karen Margolis and Usama Siddiqui called Brown Guys Who F. Uh, or a fuck, um, and that's been taking up time. I've been doing a lot of stuff with James Altucher. We have like a a frame product that we're coming out with on how to have solid frame control, and I've just been working on like just various other stuff. And honestly, let me be real with you guys, I haven't been using my time that efficiently, man. I've been I've been caught up in a bunch of uh, different things, relationships and stuff. You know, had my mind split a million different directions. And um, part of it was also that I felt like I was in a place where I, I wasn't having new insights anymore. And I didn't want to keep doing the podcast if I was just going to kind of regurgitate things that I already said. Now, this is also just an excuse. I totally could have done the podcast and just learned more and forced insight, but I didn't. Um, but anyway, I'm making this podcast episode because... Uh, so I, I got a message from a dude on Instagram saying that a lot of my Quora answers had really helped him out, especially the ones that focused on like alpha and beta this and that. And he said that he reads a lot of self-development books, but he he basically the, that like there's a huge gap in that um, that space about that kind of stuff. And um, I posted that up as part of my Instagram story. And this other guy wrote me and was like, dude, you should make a podcast on it. So um i thought it was a good idea i don't have a guest on this podcast uh, i kind of just want to have a a talk out loud and just go through some of the new stuff that i've been thinking about so one of the things that i've been really thinking about in terms of like alpha and beta now I, i've gotten some flack from somebody uh recently about how it's kind of implicit or implied when i'm like alpha this beta that that it's like saying that like womanly characteristics or feminine characteristics are beta, but that's not actually true. I know a lot of alpha women and I know a lot of beta dudes. Like the thing is, is I think it comes from a sense of when I think of alpha, I think of somebody who is constantly doing what they intend to do. Um, and that's it. That's like their main goal. They're, they have goals and then they carry out on those goals, right? Whereas I think of somebody who is beta is constantly... Uh, caught in a state where they're like, oh, you know, can I speak of my opinion right here? Can I say this, that? And they're trying to go about their goals, but in a very obsequious way or in a way in which they wait for somebody else to give them permission to have that sense of confidence. Um, Hold on one second. I'm going to put my phone in airplane mode because I don't want um, somebody to call and ruin my momentum with this pod. Yeah. All right. So... Um, yeah, and so I think about it in terms of when I I talk about alpha, I think about somebody kind of like an ubermensch, right? Uh, which is Nietzsche's concept of um, basically a self-actualized person, a person who kind of distinguishes themselves through isolation, uh, seeking projects, but most importantly, constructing their own morality, right? That's like That's like a really big part. Like I think that a lot of times uh, the global consciousness morality or the morality that we hold society to or what I call template morality, um, it, it's really good at avoiding conflict, right? 
Um, it's really good at like basically like let being polite and everything like this. And honestly, it's really good for society to function as a whole. But the thing is, if you want to be a person that's in the tail of the bell curve, like in the positive end, a tail is, is um, for a, a bell curve. The tail is the statistical, like basically the very low probability events, right? And a lot of people, especially in American culture, I would say now American culture has kind of become the culture more or less of the world <laughs> and, and for better or for worse uh, that um, people are, especially with things like Instagram and YouTube and stuff where people are hyper aware of everything that they're not doing and they're not having. And so everybody's kind of pursuing uh, a tail life or they imagine themselves wanting a life that's in the top 1% or 0.01% or et cetera. And if you want to get in that part of the bell curve, you have to construct a morality that isn't, that isn't actually normal. Now, this is the problem is, is that a lot of the characteristics that are within shame like, or w that make you successful are also going to hold you back. So, so, I mean, they're like shame. They will trigger shame impulses within you. And what I mean by that is, is like, for example, um, you know, I, I ran a show at the Laugh Factory called The Young Hustle Show. Get your tickets August 24th. Shout out, Young Hustle Show. Bang, gang, gang, gang. <laughs> Um, we, we used to message, uh, every person we knew on our friends list, right? And we would message them trying to get more people out to the show individually, not like some carbon message. Like, Hey, you know, saw that you had this success and we'd message like 150, 200, 300 people per show. We would stand outside and flyer people for hours um, taking every Uber ride, every taxi ride, every opportunity to try to get people out. But the problem is, is that people, we, me and, um, Clay would even do this. Um, shout out Clay Hurlbutt. Um, we would get on the subway and we would be like, attention, we have tickets to go to the Laugh Factory show tonight. And we would go all the way through the subway giving out, uh, coupons or prorated tickets or free tickets, trying to get more people out to the show. Now, the thing is, is all those things are actually burdensome to people. You know, our messages were a nuisance. Um, us flying people in the streets was us not caring about uh, basically other people's uh, day or what they were doing. Um, and us talking in the, really loud in the subway went against the cultural norm of shutting up and enjoying the loud uh, subway, which is the Chicago L. But the thing was, and initially when you get rejected doing these type of things or whatever, it triggers a shame response. You feel like you're burdening people, right? And we're taught in kind of our culture not to be, not to sell, right? Um, we're taught not to sell ourselves, not to be boastful, not to push products on people. But here's the thing is if we, if we obeyed society's kind of paradigm um, for the collective, we would have never gotten more than maybe 10 to 15 people out to a show. Right. The the hard truth is, is, is that you have to engage in some shameful activities in order to be uh, hyper productive. Right. It just it just. Um, and the thing is, is like people the way I gave myself permission, the way I talked to some of the guys in the group about um, doing this is McDonald's doesn't think twice about shoving a bunch of advertisements for products that are going to kill you. Right. They, you know, like they're going to cut short your life 
uh, 10, 15, 20 years. They don't think twice about, about buying billions of dollars of ads, doing free giveaways, all this other stuff. They don't think twice about it because why? Because they have kind of this concept of we want to just make money. And even and nobody the thing is, is McDonald's has been doing it for so long. We don't really question that. But because we as individuals, we don't enjoy the same privileges of brand anonymity. So I have a joke that uh, a premise, right, where it's just like, you know, we've created basically corporations to be the psychopaths that we would never let a person be. Right. Have we ever heard of a a person carrying out the duplicitous actions of a corporation, like an individual person, we would we would throw that person in jail. Right. But because there is that shield, that veil of anonymity, uh, we we basically let corporations get off the hook. Uh, We hold them to a lower standard than we hold individuals. Now, the thing is, in order, one of the things that's about being alpha is you live less in the minds of other people. So when we were pushing the show, when we were messaging the people, we weren't we weren't experiencing ourselves through the people who weren't coming to the show or the people who didn't want to come or anything like that. We were solely focused on this is a high value thing that we know people are going to enjoy. And our goal is to get as many people there as possible. Now, in order to get as many people there as possible, we're going to have to get rejected by 10 times as many people as most other um, shows. But that's okay because at the end of the day, no one really remembers the rejections. It's just an opaque cloud, right? You keep your eye on the main goal. One of the things I realized was, it's, uh, especially in training in the gym, is, is that it's really hard to look attractive while you're getting better, right? Like I do the Stairmaster every day religiously, 20 minutes. I do burn 400 calories on it. I, I, I go ham on the fucking Stairmaster. And... I look awful, okay? I'm st- during that process, I'm completely sweaty, my t-shirt's drenched, I smell bad, all this other stuff. But the end goal is is like I have a really I'm a hot dude, like, you know, and I'm not going to beat around the bush, but the thing is in order to get to that, I have to go through phases where I don't look as attractive. People are so caught up with their self-image and their self-concept in other people's eyes that they refuse to take on this period where they won't look good, where they could potentially look like their low status. And that's the thing is the biggest distinct one of the biggest distinguishing factors between betas and alphas. And, you know, this is these concepts are made up. Right. But it's a way of organizing your thoughts and hopefully can be productive in you getting your goal. But the biggest difference is people who I say have more beta male or beta like tendencies are hyper conscious about how other people are perceiving them. And or more so than that, it's not only that they're hyper conscious on how other people are perceiving them, they're hyper, they are pessimistic about how people perceive them if they were to go for their goals. Whereas people I know who have more like alpha tendencies are like they're going to go for their goals and they're optimistic that the right people will kind of fold in and the wrong people are going to kind of just bow out now you know so i I kind of i guess the duality i kind of express now is, is is strength versus weakness right and i'm not saying being polite or being conscientious is weak and i'm not even saying having a degree of self awareness is weak i'm Believe it or not, like as uh, as arrogant as I can sound or whatever, I, I do spend a lot of time ruminating over my actions. But I think the thing is, is how much is your self-consciousness limiting you from your goal? See, n- 
it's not basically a binary thing. It's not, oh, they're alphas this and they're betas that. It's like there's kind of a spectrum. And there's certain times where you are going to need to basically have uh, – be less conscientious of other people in order to have your goal of uh, succeeding or even being protected, right? Um, I remember uh, one time, uh, I won't get into the specifics, but this this pro fighter who uh, was known as kind of a malevolent character in my building kind of like followed me back to my apartment and I, I like didn't know how to tell him like, hey, dude, I don't... I don't fucking know you back off. All right. I don't. And I almost put myself in a situation that if I hadn't um, got him out of my apartment as fast as I did, might have turned out to be very bad for me. But that was because I was afraid of conflict. And one of the things that I've noticed is is, is that um, that's kind of endemic of a lot of people like and once again a lot of people or a lot of moments where people feel beta is they're afraid of conflict and the thing is 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 that conflict is actually not only and and you have to understand this is a societal rearing technique society doesn't want there to be conflict because conflict even though a majority of conflicts will never result in 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 um actual detriment to people like actual pain and suffering and death and injury uh, a percentage will and when that percentage is um, is applied on a macroscopic scale you have uh, basically a lot of people getting hurt so society doesn't want you to have conflict society always wants you to cow out and to basically back down from other people but the problem is 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 that when this is becomes the collective uh, paradigm is is that the people who are the most intolerable end up having their positions represented the most strongly, right? And we're seeing this with, um, that's why the Tea Party was so effective. It's because even though they made up such a small plurality of the population, a, a microscopic part of the population, right? The issue was, is this, is that they had such weird standards and were in such lockstep about them that they were able to gerrymander and shape the country in a way in which that was bent to benefit them. And so if you are constantly afraid of conflict and these people aren't, you're going to end up having to subject yourself to their will or their standard. Now, over a long period of time, that can have a profound effect on your life. And I'm not talking about a political scale. Now I'm going back to the individual if you're always like, oh, I don't, well, you know, my parents don't want me to do this, so I'm not going to do that. Oh, my girlfriend doesn't want me to do this, so I'm not going to do that. All of a sudden, you end up living your life for other people. And what I call your self-concept is attacked because we, we know that we're not being honest. Now, I'm going to share with you guys a moment that makes, may make some of you hate me, but I've always been honest on this podcast. And well, I, I, I have no illusions about being a good person. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not. All right. Um... I was outside. I was outside with uh, a couple friends of mine. We run a comedy show, uh, Westside Comedy Club, called the Black Magic Comedy Show, and we're out booking um, Greer Barnes and uh, Marina Franklin for our show. And we're so we're standing outside the, the comedy cellar, and this guy comes up to me. This whole uh, this guy who might be homeless or might not be homeless, but he comes up to us and he's like, "Hey, you know, I work for this thing, and we're trying to build this facility or whatever." Now, um, I used to. 
I used to volunteer at the Salvation Army five days a week. I was featured in the newspaper about it and all that stuff. And I also know, I know, so I know a lot of the tricks. It was nine o'clock at night. Uh, there's generally not canvassers. He didn't have documentation for us to write off on our taxes. So it made me believe that number one, that he was, it, it was a scam. But he came with us to the speech and everything like that. But he was going pretty long into the speech. And so I cut him off midway through and I'm like, hey man, we're good. And he says, um, you're good, so you're gonna don donate money. I said, no, I mean, we're good in the colloquial sense, meaning that like, we, we're, we're okay. And he said, oh, because I thought you were trying to say that you're a good person, so you're gonna donate. I said, no, no, that's not at all what I'm saying. He's like, oh, so you don't care. And I looked him in his eyes and I said, yeah, I don't care. And that sounds very callous, right? And it was callous. But the reason why I said, yeah, I don't care was number one, I wasn't getting ready to sacrifice my honesty to sound like a good person in that moment. I actually, I have empathy for homeless people I've cared in the past about homeless people, but if you're asking me in that moment, can I actually say I care about homelessness in New York? No, I can't. I don't spend any time thinking about it. I do less than nothing to help the problem. I really, I, the, the, the past week, my worries have been about the comedy show, uh, getting, uh, get, um, working on email lists, organizing curriculum for this product, um, getting, um, getting everything ready for the meetings that we're about to have for our TV shows and girl problems, right? Those have been my cares for the week, you know, tertiary cares or cares for my family and everything like that. I, I, I really have not exhausted any thoughts about homelessness. Now, you know, that, Right there, believe it or not, that moment of honesty in a place where it would have been easier to be dishonest and sound like a good person actually positively affected my self-esteem, right? Because I basically, I basically told myself my honesty is worth more than sounding like a good person in that moment. Now my friend Josh, my friend Kirby, they gave him a couple dollars and everything. He 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 kind of ragged on the guy kind of tried to make me feel guilty for another like 3 or 4 minutes or so uh before walking off and you know I also there there was a part of me that wanted to explain myself. That was like, "Hey man, like, you know, I used to you, I, you, hey bro, I used to like, you know, I used to be the head of the Salvation Army in Waco, Texas, blah, blah, blah. I, I did this initiative. I, I used to be a chess instructor at underprivileged schools. I used to do groceries on wheels, blah, blah, blah. blah. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. All right. Like, because I, I, like, I felt that urge, but I squashed it. I squashed that urge for the need to explain myself. Right. I had to sit with this, this painful feeling that I said I didn't care. And I didn't. And honestly, I've thought more about homelessness. <laughs> this is the crazy part is I've thought more about homelessness since then. And I've had that impulse to go out and serve again because I was honest in that moment. But to me, I think being alpha is being honest even when it's inconvenient. Now, my friend Clay, he, uh, Clay Horobuch out again, Young Hustle, August 24th. <laughs> He says that the reason people hate Kanye is because Kanye is too honest. 
And whether or not, I, you know what? I agree with him. And we, Clay and I were, were talking about this. And I, I don't think there's any bigger alpha than Kanye. Because he is a kind of person who will go for what he wants with, with an intensity that borders on insanity. And, you know, with his last album, um, I think it's um, I Hate My Bipolar, It Makes Me Awesome. We come to find out that there, there, there is a disorder. But I want you to think about something. I want you to think whenever you feel like there's been... So with the Taylor Swift incident or the, the George W. Bush doesn't care about black people incident. How many people would say that behind the scenes but never say it in a place where they could suffer consequence? Right? And this is the thing is I think a lot of being alpha is, um, is, is, a, is a sense of... It's earned. It's earned through your self-concept. It's earned through being honest. And it's earned through action. Right? And it's earned through boundaries. Right? And it's earned through not filtering oneself and keeping things to themselves and letting them fester into resentment and carrying around burdens or allowing other people to put their burdens onto you. See, like, and I'm going to tell you, like, Alpha, in my mind, isn't something that's, that's, you're, it's not just a switch you turn on. I think there are people I am, there are relationships I have with people where I'm, I'm the, I'm the, the, I guess the alpha in it or whatever, or there are moments where it slides back and forth. There are times even to, to sit down and listen and to, to just, to, there are times that every, every time has their appropriateness. It's not, it's not, I'm not saying you, you always have to always go for what you want, but I am saying that if a majority of your life is spent in a cocoon, in, in a glass house of, or of self-consciousness because you're afraid of rubbing people the wrong way, then you are going to make your climb to success very slow or maybe in fact impossible. But just because you achieve this in some moments doesn't mean it's always going to be there. You know, I've been in relationships, um, especially especially romantically, where you, where where it might start out one way, and then all of a sudden you feel yourself walking persistently on eggshells because you want to you want to avoid conflict in in the relationship, right? And you you may you might find yourself overwilling to to see the other person's position but sometimes you negate your own self in that and that i mean this happens in friendships this happens in everything it, it, i think when i think about alpha and this is just me thinking aloud is um is that there's a sense of there's a sense of prioritizing other people ahead of oneself and in a relationship especially when you love somebody you know, it's really easy to stand up and be honest whenever there's no stakes, right? But whenever you love somebody or, or somebody is your boss, right? Or they're, 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 you feel like there might be negative consequence for being honest, right? And it really matters to you. It's in, it's in that cone of what matters. Or as Mark Manson says in The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, it's one of the things you give lots of fucks about. You start filtering yourself, and what it does is it makes you lose your sense of self in that relationship, but it also makes you lose your sense of self, period. Because we're always 
I think whenever my dad said this and it, and I don't know whether this quote exists anywhere else, but my dad told me this and it never left me. He said, when you lie to somebody, you're telling yourself that they are more important than you. When you lie to somebody, you're telling yourself that they are more important than you. And so I don't think it just applies to outright lying. I think being dishonest, withholding how you actually feel, um, not express, expressing the emotions when in a, uh, which they come up, all those things attack your self-concept and, and lower what you believe about yourself. And I think self-respect is, um, is kind of like a bank account that we can use to take, carry out difficult actions. That's why I think it's important to do difficult things, right? Like I go for um, runs, I, I run to the gym and I run home and I have intense workouts and I do, I do all this other stuff that, that, that sometimes some of it is just why are you doing this, right? I, I, I do uh, fast and all these other things and it's like, why do you do this? And it's because the more I do difficult things that on one level I don't want to do, but I know I actually do want to do because I want that result it increases the amount of self-respect I have. And the higher levels of self-respect I have, the more it makes it easier for me to stand up for myself, right? Like companies um, like JP Morgan act a lot different than non-Fortune 500 companies, right? And that's because they have such a high standard. They respect themselves. And if anything falls short of meeting their standards, if anybody who works with them falls short of meeting their standards, they have no qualms in getting rid of that person. And, um, and, and companies and people are only as wealthy or as successful as their standards allow them to be. You know? And so I think when I think about being alpha, it's this, the standard of being honest in situations sometimes where it's inconvenient. And now honesty is also another thing, right? Honesty, I think, is something, is a skill in and of itself. I don't think honesty is the opposite of lying necessarily. I think honesty, there are people who are good at being honest and people who are bad at being honest, you know? And being good at being honest is being honest in a way in which that you can cause the least amount of harm without completely debasing your point or, or filtering what you had to say so much that it loses its kernel of truth or it softens the impact. I think being honest is also not feeling the need to explain yourself when you're being honest. I don't want to go. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And and I, I think that that honesty um, is at the crux of being alpha in my thing. Now, I also like, so I'm not gonna completely act like, yo, you guys know me, right? I'd be, I'd be like alpha this, cuck that, simp that, you know what I'm saying? I, 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 I buy into bro culture, right? And I think the bro culture uh, kind of concept of alpha male, whatever, a hyper-dominant person, blah, blah, blah. I mean, uh, that, yeah, I mess around with that. We talk about it with my friends group or whatever like that, but it's kind of like a it's kind of like a colloquial like just fun playing games thing, but this is the underpinnings of the philosophy. I think the problem is is that a lot of good people don't like infringing on other people's happiness. And that that sounds 
th- like it wouldn't be a problem. But the thing is, I think it makes it harder to chant for the in the war of good ideas for really good ideas and good people's ideas to thrive because good people tend to be polite and conscientious. And so they don't tend to use the same ruthless intensity that extremists would use. And that's a problem that um, is happening all over the world, right? Like, um, you know, is, is that, you know, a lot of people are, I think I really agree with a lot of the Western standards. I like freedom of speech. I like freedom of expression. I like the concept of freedom of religion, you know. Um, but like there are situations that are popping up all over the world where it's like, oh, like this is being this is being infringed upon. And some people are like, yeah, but you, you can't you can't talk down on that because it's their freedom of expression. But if freedom of if their freedom of expression, like if a neo-Nazi's freedom of expression means um, minimizing the freedom of expression of another group or another, um, yeah, another group, then it's like, then you need to get rid of that faction, right? Because they're not trying to play that game. They're trying to get rid of that game for other people. And if they're, if they win in the war of ideas, then we all lose. Um, I think sometimes that, it, it, in order to grow. So I keep going back to this thing of, um, I had this thought, a friend of mine, um, he had posted uh, an Instagram story of self-image and how to have a cultivate good self-image is like imagine yourself in the best light, blah, 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 how you ideally want to look. And I thought about it and I was like, the, the whole concept of self-image is beta, Right, because the whole concept of self-image is you constructing who you wish other people saw you as, and that's still just an exaggerated, albeit better form, of a bad strategy. Right, and I thought about it, and I was like, I uh, I don't want to focus on my self-image. Because it's still unknowable. It's still in reaction to what other people might think about me. I much rather focus on. I much rather focus on myself feeling. How do I feel being myself? How do I want to feel being myself? What actions would I need to carry out in order to have the best feeling about myself? Not the best look about myself. Not the best and most palatable image for others about myself. Not the biggest slave to other people's perception and what the society wants me to be. How would I feel? What life would I want to do to make me feel good being me? And I know how I feel. I don't actually know what I look like. I have a general idea, but mirrors and video cameras and lighting and filters and all these things make it difficult for me to know who I am, know what I look like. But I can always tell how I feel. And so I think it's a lot more important that we turn our focus focus inward 
in this pursuit of self-esteem and look at the habits that cause maybe maybe we've never had good habits that cause high self-esteem within us but we take the high self-esteem having individuals and we mimic those habits and we start put the focus on cultivating a feeling within ourselves and a feeling within others rather than a calculated image now i also see the value in image right like i i, I have my eyebrow pierced i have my nose pierced all, all this stuff right i'm a, I, I work out all the time it's, I, I i'm not saying it's devoid of image i'm saying that part of how i feel is tied to how i think i look but i think that putting the focus on how i am perceived by others first over my feeling is a mistake because one is unknowing and one i'm gonna be honest like i can't help the fact that a Swedish person, and this is, I say this because it happens, Swedish people look at my skin and they think it's beautiful, but if I were to go to my mom's native country of India or Malaysia, they think my skin is disgusting because it is dark. I can't control that. I can't control how other people taint their perception of me with their cultural lens, which is the problem of self-image and the problem of living in a self-concept that's based on validation from by others. I can however I can however know and control how I feel about myself. And if I can't control how I feel about myself, I can ask myself why is it that I feel like that? This year I've been um kind of I've been um I've gotten a lot of flack recently uh for uh, I love Jordan B. Peterson. I've met the man. He said that something I said was profound, which was probably my favorite day out of this year. He also, I also met Milo Yiannopoulos, uh, the alt-right gay Jewish uh, um, author. Um, it was charming and cool. I don't, believe, I don't agree with almost anything he says, but he was a cool dude. And, and I agree with Kanye and I, not, not with everything he says, but I agree with some of his ideas. And I find him a motivational character. And I even find Trump, I disgust, I'm disgusted with his politics. But I admire the fact that he was able to believe in himself enough when he had a 1% chance of winning to believe that he could become president. And I think about that. I think about Trump as opposed to, uh, to Bush, the, the Jeb Bush. Jeb Bush, I honestly believe if Jeb Bush just stayed in the primaries, he could have won. But Jeb Bush got so caught up with momentum. He got so caught up with momentum. And... The momentum was swinging Trump's way that he bowed out rather than ride it out, wrote it out. He let other people's opinions, and this is, I, I, everyone says Hillary ran a horrible campaign, blah, blah, blah. We all forget that Comey did, went against policy and acted borderline, maybe even illegally in releasing that they, she was being reinvestigated about the, the emails a week before the election day. So let's not forget that. But 
Actually, I'm not even going to... I love Hillary. Not even going to... Well, actually, I'll talk about this with Hillary. The thing about her campaign that was beta was they were afraid to make a mistake. They were afraid to play to win. They were playing not to lose to Trump. But everything they did was in reaction to Trump. And if you're looking within yourself, look why it is you're making your decisions. Are you making the decisions you're making with other people's in mind? Am I making this decision so so so-and-so will like me? Well, this or that or whatever. Or am I making this decision because I want to make this decision? Right? Am I, am I choosing to, to date this person exclusively? Am I choosing to date them exclusively because I, 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 I care about them? Or is it because I don't want them to date someone else? Is it, is it that I'm choosing to pursue this job opportunity or not ask for my promotion? Because this is one of the things that I'm going to say that is that courage, courage, right? Courageous actions allow you to actually distinguish between patience and cowardice. Courageous actions allow you to be able to distinguish between patience and cowardice. What I mean by that is is that that you have a healthy history of being courageous and stepping up and seeing through your own bullshit and acting in sometimes borderline reckless ways. Later on, you will be able to believe yourself whenever you are telling yourself, I should be patient right here. I should wait. I should take my time. Because if you have a history of being courageous, then you can believe your internal dialogue. But we are all naturally cowards because fear is the most powerful motivating force in our bodies, in the world. Fear, not greed, is what causes war. So we all want to live as cowards. But when we take out consistent, courageous actions, we can then distinguish between cowardice and actual the, the actual wisdom of being patient. I remember... Um, some of, you, some of you guys know who listen to the podcast regularly that I was dating coach and that I used to write dating columns and things like that. And I was a late bloomer in terms of this. And that's because I was always being patient, waiting for a moment that I believed that I was entitled to, but never came. I sat back and I, I sat back and, and I, I wanted, I just wanted a girl to 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 come and confess her love for me and and I wanted I, I was being patient and being their friend or whatever and w- what ended up happening was I had this weird pseudo friendships with girls that I actually was in love with and that even if they might have liked me at the beginning could tell that I was not being completely honest now this realizing this weakness then has caused me to swing the pendulum the pendulum swung too hard the other way to where i would i would make moves way too quickly 
right? But that recklessness was, in a sense, necessary in order for me to find a more healthy median of of knowing when to make a move. Because to me, at that time, every, I lived in a fear, a, 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 a house of, I was, I was imprisoned by my fears. And I created these fears of, and the, this philosophy, these paradigms to basically not experience, to not experience rejection. Because I was afraid of what other people would think. I was afraid that if someone rejected me, what that would mean about me as an individual. Right? People don't say no to good things. How could I carry on thinking I was something valuable if I had ever been rejected? And this goes back to what I think in Central, if I was to say one of the tenets of being alpha is really about is not allowing your value as a human being to ever be questioned. Right? It's, um, I, I have value because I exist. I don't have value because I am this way. I have of a JD or I, 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 I look hot or whatever, I, I blah, blah, blah. I have value because I exist. And I don't question it any further than that. And as some of you know, I have a joke or a, I post that I beat out 500 million sperm to be here. So God damn it, I'm not going to go for what I want. But when you just accept that you have value and you make that the the basis in which you build your entire personal philosophy, your morality, your orientation, your point of view on the world. When you make that the cornerstone of everything, the fact that I have value because I exist, because I have made it through this this long and arduous journey of existence, my DNA tied to the thing, the first life on this planet, and God damn it, all that gives me the right to go for what I want. Not to have what I want, but to go for what I want. And nobody's rejection, nobody's making fun of me, mockery, uh, statistics, eugenics, uh, racist, Sexist cultural action can tell me otherwise. When you build everything from that point, that's what it means to be alpha. That's how you can get rejected thousands of times in thousands of different ways and not bat an eye. Because you realize that that's not, it doesn't matter if you get rejected. And I have fun with my rejections. Rejections, I would like to say that like me getting rejected in certain different contexts doesn't hurt or whatever. Man, I'm human. But the thing is, is how much you spend licking your psychic wounds. I don't spend a lot of... I, whenever I'm in pain, um, especially like romantic pains or or... or or 
or, or a state of anxiety from career stuff or whatever, right? Do I have what it takes? I go for a run. I go for a run and I'm not a runner. I don't run till super far. I've never ran a marathon. I run like maybe like three, four miles, right? But I'll run at full fucking speed. And because in that moment, we, I want to change. I, I, I want my, my orientation to be whenever I am met with something that scares me or wants to stifle me to go out and to run towards it. Now, when you change your physiology, your mood changes, right? And then all of a sudden you get more confident, you have better ideas. That's one of the things. I, I think physiology, you can't underestimate how much physiology plays into, into your, the way you feel. I, 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 I used to cook all my meals on Sundays and uh, I would eat salmon. I would eat basically the same thing every day, hyper healthy and everything like that. And I, was, I got down with 6% body fat. I, I was, my body fat was so low that I had a hard time sustaining erections, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> um, but during that time, I, um, I really had really good thoughts. And so... I've recently, I, you know, sometimes you, you think like, oh, yeah, you know, like that was then. And then I went back to having a more relaxed um, eating thing. And of course, still kind of healthy, but more relaxed. And now I've gone back to eating the same, basically virtually the same diet, as healthier, um, a healthier version of that. And I feel amazing. And it's a lot easier for me to be in a good mood. And it's a lot easier for me to ask for what I want. And it's a lot easier for me to access this um this primal intensity i mean i think part of the reason why you're even hearing my voice right now after i haven't posted in about five months um is because of that and so i don't i don't think alpha is just socially related i think it really has to do with what you're doing when no one's watching i, I think it has to do with it, it's a it's a top-down approach and that's why it's hard to maintain now one of the things that I think is really guys I'm rambling right but you know one of the one of the things that I think was difficult for me for a long time to justify why I had confidence is um I'm half Indian half black and I I don't know anybody who's really that looks like me um that has the same background as me or whatever and i don't look like any of the male models in times square on the ads i've looked i don't i don't really look like um any heroes in movies i don't look like any leads in tv shows uh, i don't look like like any of those i don't even look like the guys in indian movies cuz indian indians hate dark skin right and so they they only going to have fair skin dudes on there. And I was talking to someone and she was telling me about how you know she fears getting older and the aging process because women aren't represented as often as being sexy when they're older. You know, and it's you know it's and I told her I was like, you know, I I have never seen a version of me represented as sexy anywhere. <laughs> I've had to mentally construct 
confidence that's not backed up by society. And so when you're not close to the society's ideal, there's an expression in, in game circles, it's easy to act like James Bond when you look like James Bond. But it's hard to act like James Bond. That's the, the converse is it's hard to act like James Bond when you don't look anything like James Bond. Funny enough, Daniel Craig works out of my gym. <laughs> um, Daniel Craig played um, James Bond in Casino Royale and blah, blah, blah. But it's interesting to me um, that that was such a heavy burden at 19 and 20, 21, 22. But 23, it started getting lighter. 24, it started getting lighter. 25, it got lighter. 26, 27, 28. I'm 28 now and it's the lightest it's ever been. And so what I'm saying is this, the weight of society, the weight of society's expectations on you aren't a static. They're not static the same way that the weights in the gym that I started lifting at 10 pounds and when 10 pounds was hard and now I can deadlift close to 500 pounds, right? 10 pounds doesn't weigh any less. It's just I got stronger. My self-concept got stronger. I stopped looking for other people to approve me as much. It's always a spectrum, though. The problem is, is that everyone talks about it as a binary. At that moment, I knew and I no longer need that. No, you're always battling against it. It's always going to seep in. There are billions of dollars spent to make you feel like you're not enough. Billions. Billions of dollars. Okay? Society can't... The, our, our, our economic infrastructure isn't built for people to be happy. It's not, it can't sustain itself. If everybody was happy, it wouldn't... What do happy people do? They, have, they fuck. They, they, they go on a run. Um, they spend time with their family. They build crafts or whatever. That's like... Then they cook meals. All right, that, 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 that all today, that, that's, that's like a, that's like a, it's spending eight bucks. Depressed people go buy a bunch of clothes, retail therapy. They eat out $9 a meal, get loaded up on drugs from the psychiatrist. And people think like, you know, that anxiety isn't, um, anxiety is weird. And I'm not talking about anxiety disorder. I don't want to get into that debate, whatever. But a lot of people's anxiety comes from the fact that they don't think they're supposed to experience anxiety. I think anxiety is a byproduct of living. And I think a lot, the problem is, is a lot of people either don't listen to their anxiety or they don't trust themselves enough. And I think really the problem is, is that they don't trust themselves enough. They don't don't think that they can handle the uncertainty. One of the things that um, I moved to New York prematurely as a comedian and I did my hour in Edinburgh prematurely as a comic. A lot of people around me told me that I wasn't ready, uh, that um, ooh, blah, blah, blah. And they were right. But what they were wrong about was how quickly I can adjust to not being ready. And how quickly I can learn and how much I trust myself. The problem is, is that people don't trust themselves and they don't trust themselves in uncertain situations. So they, they, they imprison themselves in this cocoon of certainty. 
But the problem with actions that are certain is they don't mean anything. And also, you can't run away from the fact that we live in an uncertain world and bad things can happen to you at any time. But if you equip yourself with the skills and the self-knowledge that you've made it through all these events previously in your life, and you will more than likely, with a number that's pretty close to mathematically certain, make it through most of the things that you have anxiety about. But anxiety is a war of lack of self-trust. It's a lack of self-esteem. And one of the things that I've been training myself to do lately is to have optimistic assumptions about what could happen. Not in my grand life plan, because everybody, everybody, has, everybody has optimistic assumptions about what could happen five years down the line in their life. That's stupid. But they have pessimistic assumptions about what could happen on the day-to-day. Oh, let me not shoot that email out to that agent because they might reject me or it might be too early. Or I, I better not talk to that pretty girl at the coffee shop because she might reject me and blah, blah, blah. You know? I better not call out so-and-so for disrespecting me because, you know what, like, I don't want it to lead to anything even though it makes me feel like a bag of fucking shit. Right? That's... Yeah, you're good with that. Like, you're, 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 you're okay with having negative assumptions in the day-to-day, but you have optimistic assumptions. Like, five years, miraculously, I'm going to be famous and fucking wealthy. See, I have the opposite, dude. I, I, I believe... And I have... I, my, my, my forecasts in the future are pessimistic. I, I know I'm mathematically certain I will die. I know that every fucking person I love is going to die. And that I'm going to have to live with the fact that I have to watch a good amount of them die. And to live with the thoughts that I didn't reach out enough or whatever. Like that. I know all those things. So the future to me is always bleak. But the day, my assumptions on the day, man, I always go off of positive assumptions. And it helps me navigate and keep things lighthearted. One of the things I've also noticed, this is a long podcast episode, but fuck it. I feel inspired and I'm working out a lot of my own thoughts on this. Is people think that things are too important. They think that they are too important. So paradoxically, um... One thing I've noticed that's pretty consistent among people who I hold to be alpha males and inspiring is they kind of don't (laughs) think of things as they don't overbuild things up in their head, right? They don't make things more important than they need to be. I'm going to get in an argument with this person because we just need to flesh this out. I have to go um, do this because I just have to do it, right? I have to do that because I just have to do it. They don't build it up too much in their head. They're not like, oh my God, the show, uh, speaking as a comedian, oh my God, the show that if I do well, like blah, 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 like it could change everything for me. No, dude, because now, now you're going to be lame. You've already built it up too much. You're afraid to make a mistake. And when you're afraid to make a mistake and when you cannot, when you, and, and, and when you build, when you, and the, the, the thing is, is, when you build up other things' importance, you diminish yourself. Nothing is that important. All right? You just got to do it. Right? You just, you know, you just got to learn how to do it or you don't learn how to do it. You make it simple for yourself. No relationship's that important. One of the things that's difficult about relationships and 
in, in terms of frames and frame controls is this. It is very hard to have a strong frame if you can't walk away. A frame, check, um, check out my frame control video with Brendan Lem. I think it's episode 45. I don't know, just scroll down. And we talk, that's where I can explain, I'll explain in depth what a frame is. But a basic frame is a, the way, a way in which you view the world. And it's very important that you have a strong frame in argument or in conflict because it determines so much of what you can get. And it's really hard to have a strong frame if you can't walk away. That's why relationships, the person who has the most power in the relationship is usually the person who cares the least. The person who has the most power in a relationship is the person who cares the least. And I don't like that, but there, it does ring true. But what I would say is this is not to artificially try to make something, make a relationship does, that it doesn't matter to you in order to be alpha, but always know that you can walk away and always have walking away be a viable option. Because the second you can't walk away, you will start making decisions that will negatively impact you to somebody else's benefit to a large extent. And not, I mean, I'm not saying that everything should benefit you and I'm in a relationship it's give and take. But if you feel that you cannot walk away, if, it, if, if the idea is massively unhospitable to you, then the relationship is too important to you for you to be alpha in life. And to go out for what you want. Your relationship should assist your goals but should never be the end goal. I also think being alpha is being able to laugh at yourself. I do an exercise, this is going to sound funny, where I stand in front of the mirror butt-ass naked and I go through my entire body and I say I love and appreciate every part of my body. I go through it, especially the parts I'm insecure about. And then I, after that, roast myself in the mirror. And the thing is, in order to truly love yourself, you have to be able to make fun of yourself. And that being able to not take yourself seriously as a skill allows you to create distance from yourself and to make yourself more important a less important no this is going to sound weird make yourself so if we have an exaggerated view of self-importance we aren't going to put ourselves in positions where that view can be shattered. If we view ourselves as being very important, we're not going to view put ourselves in a situation where we could get rejected where that could negatively impact our self-concept and our model of the world. But if you're able to make fun of yourself and you make it dynamic, then you'll be able to put yourself in those situations where you could still be rejected, but those situations are also the ones that have the highest yield of positive return. I think status anxiety is the reason why a lot of people are beta. We have more status anxiety now than ever. 
We have more status anxiety now than ever in human fucking history. And that's because before status, you were born a peasant, you stayed a peasant. You were born a lord, you stayed a lord, you were born a king, you were king until your son stabbed you in the fucking throat. But now, our status, you can be a millionaire one day, poor the next. You go in a room, you have no idea who's what, how to compare yourself, this or that. So no one knows how much confidence they should give themselves in any which situation. I fall into the same trap. I hang out with celebrities sometimes. And it's funny. Everyone thinks you want to be hanging out with celebrities. Hanging out with celebrities actually kind of sucks because... No one is listening to what you're saying when you're hanging out with celebrities. You know, <laughs> nobody is. You basically, the cool part about hanging out with celebrities is going back to all your friends who aren't famous and telling them about what happened when you were hanging out with a celebrity, right? <laughs> no one gives a shit. But the thing is about status is it's made up. The concept of status is made up. It's a game that you're playing in your mind. It's a role-playing game. Tucker Max had, got the, had the privilege of hanging out with Tucker Max and getting lunch with him with James, James Altucher a couple weeks ago. And I don't know what he, he said. He recounted the story twice. Once, once on James' podcast, but once in, in, during lunch. And it was about the emperor's clothes. And the story behind the emperor's clothes as some of you may know is that this emperor this 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 tailor comes into the emperor right this incan emperor and he said hey i will weave you the most beautiful uh, garments in all, all the world and it's going to be so refined that if you are not of refined if you're not intelligent if you're not of having good taste you won't be able to see it but if you do you will and so the tailor measures the, the emperor, magically conjures some stuff up and puts it on. And the emperor looks in the mirror and sees himself being naked. But remembering what the tailor said, said, oh, um, yeah, it's very beautiful. Oh, my God. Because he didn't want to admit that he didn't know, right? That he was, uh, as, the, as the tailor would say, un, uncivilized. And so there's this huge procession in the town, in the, in the kingdom, to celebrate his new clothes. And everybody around, knowing the rumor that only, only people of refined taste could be able to see the, the clothes, all say, oh, yeah, yeah, I see it. But in fact, all of them were just looking at the emperor being naked. And finally, finally, when a little boy points up and says, why does the emperor have no clothes? Now, the emperor, the, the, the story that most people hear about that is that everybody realizes, that, oh, how stupid they are. And they go back to, they, 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 it's about a child, basically child's innocence and being able to see through the game. But in the real story, they murder the child. And that's the cost of being honest and seeing through the game sometimes. But the game is the emperor's clothes. Celebrity doesn't actually exist. Nobody is, in fact, more important than you. 
But the, in order for society to function, we have to play this most insane role-playing game that has real consequences. Real fucking consequences. But if the most alpha people are able to see through the game for what it is, they don't, they don't let celebrity stop them from being themselves. They don't think anybody is cut from a different cloth. They don't buy into icon culture. That, oh my God, that person is so much better than me because this many people like them. They self-generate. And they don't have the same status anxiety. They don't suffocate in the same way because they realize that all human beings are fundamentally the same and we all have value because we exist. They aren't caught up in this comparative game. And that is at the crux of what status anxiety is. Is you walk into a party, oh, I'm better looking than him. And I'm smarter than, oh, oh that, I went to Yale, but they went to, they went to Harvard. Uh, how, how should I compare? Well, it's kind of the same thing. I'll only defer to them a little bit. You know, and then blah, blah, blah. All this, all this chatter in your head about how confident you should be. In those situations, just talk loud and, and, and loosen up. Loosen up. Don't filter. Don't filter. Make mistakes. Make big social mistakes. That's why alcohol gives people more confidence. It's not that they give them more confidence. It's that they, their IQ drops from the alcohol, right? About a standard deviation point. And we become less aware of the game. And when we become less aware of the status games, we are more free and uninhibited. So you're never more confident than in a place where you're around a bunch of people you think you're better than. Yeah. This is a lot of thoughts. Some of it, I don't know. I hope you guys find value from this. Because I had a fucking good time. Um, my narcissistic self talked into my iPhone for an hour and ten minutes. Um, that felt really good. I feel emptied out. And I love and appreciate every fucking one of you who is still listening to this goddamn podcast. I'm going to be back, I guess. I say that a lot. I might or might not be. You know, I don't want to lie to you guys anymore. I will post from time to time because um, I think the biggest difference was I was looking at this as the way I was going to make it or whatever. I don't know what this podcast is going to be or how it's going to affect my career or whether it's going to make me famous. Um, but I'm changing kind of the view of it. Um, I want more people to listen, but right now I'm in a space where I'm making this for me. You'll get episodes where I talk just like this and you'll get episodes where I talk to somebody. Um, I might get some cool famous people on someday, but it's not really about that anymore. Um, I missed you guys. Follow me on Instagram. Godspeed and good night.